So I, I know you've got a lot going on. But remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening, because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better, because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Killer Instinct. Happy Wednesday, you guys. I hope you all are having a good week and a really good start to your 2020 thus far. I am very excited to share today's case with you guys. It is one that I have never heard of up until doing my research on it, and I'm so interested to see where your mindset is going to be at at the end of this case. I do think it's going to be a little bit of a longer one, so I hope you've got a little bit of time to listen. As you can tell by the title of today's podcast, we are talking about the Black Widow of Lomita, otherwise known as Sonia Riskin. And I know it's already going to be a long case, so I'm not going to bore you with a boring intro. Let's just jump right on into it. So this case all starts with a man named Larry Riskin. And Larry was described as someone who absolutely loved life. He was extremely kind to everyone he came in contact with. Larry worked in the Navy and he was super passionate about his job and over time he was able to kind of rise up in ranking and become a commander in the Navy, which was a huge deal for him. And he had two brothers and a younger sister and his younger sister's name is Sherry and she's going to be pretty prominent throughout this entire case as well. Larry was an extremely family-oriented person. He loved spending time with his family. He loved visiting his family. Him and his family lived in Olympia, Washington at the time. But that all changed when Larry was set up on a blind date with a woman named Sonia Rios. Larry was definitely someone who didn't have too much dating experience prior to meeting Sonia. And like I said, they met on a blind date. And right when Larry met Sonia, he was completely head over heels for her. It was like love at first sight, completely just enamored by who she was. So Sonia was originally from the Philippines, but she ended up moving to a little suburb in Los Angeles called Lomita. And when she moved to Lomita, she ended up opening up her own hair salon and her own beauty parlor. So that was her deal. She lived in Lomita, had her beauty parlor. And once she met Larry, like I said, the two of them completely hit it off so much so that just after a year of dating, the two of them ended up getting married. After they got married, Larry ended up moving to Lomita to live with Sonia. Sonia's neighbors describe her as someone who's very generous and kind and a very nice person, but it was very clear to them that Sonia definitely wore the pants, so to speak, in this relationship. Sonia definitely always had the upper hand, was always in control of Larry, which if you think about it is kind of ironic considering that Larry was a commander in the Navy and he definitely took more of a submissive role in his marriage. Not that there's anything wrong with that, it just is interesting considering his job required him to be a very dominant figure. If there was one person, though, who wasn't a huge fan of Sonia, that would be Larry's younger sister, Sherry. According to Sherry, she just said that she knew something was off with Sonia from the get-go. The straw that kind of broke the camel's back, so to speak, between Sherry and Sonia is that there was an incident where Larry was out of town, but Sherry was flying in to Lamita to stay with Sonia as well as Sherry's friend. So Sherry and her friend were going to go stay with Sonia, but when Sherry got to the house,
house, Sonia had completely locked all of her doors while Sonia was inside of the house and refused to let Sherry in. And according to Sonia, when this incident came up to Larry, Sonia told Larry, you know, it wasn't my fault, like it was her fault in whatever way she was able to twist that. But Sherry was adamant on the fact that Sonia completely just shunned her and locked her out from her house when that is where she was supposed to be staying. So that was kind of the big incident with Sherry along with a mountain pile of other issues that Sherry and Sonia had with each other. But this one was really the straw that broke the camel's back, like I said. So much so that after this incident, Larry didn't speak to any of his family for 10 years. A whole decade, he just didn't speak to his family after this incident because that's how much of a issue this was. So during that 10-year period where Larry ended up not speaking to his family for 10 years, he also retired from the Navy. So after he retired from the Navy, he ended up working in the special education department at Lawndale High School. And like I said, he worked as a special education teacher. Alongside Larry in the special education department was another teacher named Eileen. And Larry and Eileen became really good friends while Larry was working at this school. And Larry kind of confided in Eileen about some of the stuff that was going on back at his home. According to Eileen, she said that from what Larry told her, his marriage with Sonia was extremely draining on him. Larry felt like Sonia would just always talk down to him and really emasculated him in their marriage. Larry also told Eileen that when Larry ended up marrying Sonia, he was under the impression that she was a lot younger than she said that she was. And what I mean by that is that Larry didn't find out until after they were married that Sonia was in fact not younger than him, but actually 16 years older than him. And Larry said he had no idea about this when he first married Sonia. It was a complete surprise to him. Now you might be sitting here thinking, how is that even possible that you could mistake that? But I will say Sonia was a very, very beautiful woman. So I think it was very easy to just kind of get lost in her beauty and her looks and not really think too much about age. But where this became a problem is at the fact that Larry, something that he really, really wanted was kids. Larry absolutely loved kids. He loved working with kids at his job. He was really good with kids, but what he didn't realize is that he married Sonia when she was in her early 40s, and it's still possible. It's completely possible to still get pregnant in your early 40s, but your chances get slimmer as you get older, so that was really a letdown for Larry. It was a really big disappointment because he kind of felt like his chances for having kids became a lot, lot slimmer, but this wasn't the end for the having kids dream with Larry. It was kind of the end for having biological kids, but there are a lot of other alternative routes that can lead to a couple having children other than just biological. We all know this. So Sonia and Larry would visit the Philippines a lot. That is where all of Sonia's family lived, and so when they would go down there and see all of Sonia's family members, they would see Sonia's brother's grandchildren as well. So I don't know what exactly that relation would be from Sonia to the kids, but whatever Sonia's brother's grandchildren are. That's what these kids were to Sonia, and their names were Quincy and Jetmark. It was a boy and a girl, and the kids loved Larry. They absolutely loved him. Jetmark in particular said that Larry always made him feel safe and secure and made him feel like everything was going to be okay and was really just a figure that he looked up to for the majority of his life. So Sonia and Larry ended up coming up with an agreement with Quincy and Jetmark's parents, and that was that they all agreed upon the fact that they believed that Quincy and Jetmark would have a way better life if they lived in America 
up with Sonia and Larry. So the deal that they came up with is that the parents of Quincy and Jetmark were going to allow Sonia and Larry to legally adopt their two kids in order to bring them back to America so they could have a better life. And Larry was so excited about this. He had always wanted kids and he loved Quincy and Jetmark so much. So he was really, really excited about this. He thought it was finally his chance to be a father figure and to have kids of his own. So with that being said, Sonia agreed to this, but she told Larry that she was going to handle all of the adoption paperwork. That was kind of like her one non-negotiable is that she said that they could do this, but she had to handle the paperwork. So Larry agreed to that because he was so excited. All he wanted was to adopt these two kids. But after several months passed and then a year passed and then several years passed, Larry actually learned that Sonia was completely sabotaging the entire adoption process. Sonia would always say like, oh, this is when we'll be able to legally adopt them, but then the date would be pushed back and nothing was really adding up. And I don't really know why it took Larry so long to realize this, but once he finally did realize what Sonia was doing, he was absolutely done and he told Sonia that he wanted a divorce. So when Larry told Sonia that he wanted a divorce, she agreed with him. He, she said, okay, that's fine. But she did have one non-negotiable for her, and that was that Larry had to go down to the Philippines and try to sell her family taxi business. Now, no one in Larry's family really understood why Larry was the one who had to do this, considering that it was Sonia's family business. It didn't make sense to anyone in his family, but Larry was just kind of like, okay, I'll go. Like, he didn't really put up a fight about it. He just said, okay. And part of that was because he really wanted to see Quincy and Jetmark again. He really wanted to go back to the Philippines to see the kids. And what's kind of bizarre about this trip, well, the whole thing is kind of bizarre, but what's really bizarre about this trip is Sonia didn't go with Larry. She simply just told him, go to the Philippines, go sell my family taxi business, and then you can come back and we can get a divorce, but I'm going to stay here, so you have to go. So before Larry went back to the Philippines to sell Sonia's taxi business, he ended up stopping by Olympia to visit his family, and this is the first time he had seen his family in a very very long time. So when he went to Olympia to see his family, it was such a nice reunion for them. And Larry was really excited. You know, he was excited to kind of be able to have his family back and have his life back and was ready to start on this new chapter of his life. So after stopping in Olympia to see his family, Larry goes to the Philippines and he sees Quincy and Jet Mark and it was Quincy's 16th birthday. So it was kind of a big deal. So while the 16th birthday party was going on for Quincy, Larry noticed that one of the younger kids there, I believe she was probably at like five years old or something like that, she had a really bad eye infection and Larry was one of the first ones to notice it. So Larry decided the best thing to do at this point would be to take her to the hospital to have a doctor properly examine her eye and see what was going on. So he ended up calling Sonia. He called Sonia, remember that. He called Sonia and told her that he was going to take the girl to the hospital and Jetmark was going with him. So Sonia said, okay, that's fine. So he takes the girl to the hospital with Jetmark and other family members join too. They're all kind of going together, but they're taking separate cars. And so they end up going to the hospital. The girl gets examined and then Jetmark and Larry ended up leaving together. 
And now the rest of this is kind of from Jetmark's description and from his witness statement. So Jetmark and Larry got in the car and when they got in the car and were about to put their seatbelt on and drive off, there was a motorcycle that pulled up to Larry's side of the car and Larry was driving. So they pulled up to the driver's side of the car and there were two men on the motorcycles. One of the men pulled out a gun and immediately started shooting Larry in the head and in the stomach. And then they just completely drove away and Jetmark said he started screaming. Jetmark started screaming. Larry didn't scream, but Jetmark was screaming and he tried to get Larry to stand up out of the car. But once he did that, blood just started rushing everywhere. And luckily they were right by a hospital. They were still in the hospital parking lot. So it didn't take long for Jetmark to get Larry into the hospital. However, his wounds were so severe and he unfortunately passed away in the hospital that night. Larry was only 43 years old when he passed away. And apparently when Sonia heard about the news, her neighbors said that she was a complete wreck. She was sobbing uncontrollably and asked her neighbors to come over and help console her basically. When her neighbors came over, Sonia asked her neighbor to call Sherry, Larry's sister, and tell her what had happened. Sherry said that when she answered the phone and was told of what happened to Larry, she automatically said the first words that came out of her mouth were, she did it, in reference to Sonia. And Sherry got on the phone with Sonia and told Sonia, I know you did this. I know you had something to do with this. If you didn't do it directly, you know who did. You hired someone, basically just accusing her left and right of having something to do with her brother's murder. So this is where it gets a little weird. So about 24 hours, after Larry had died, barely even a day after Larry had died, Sonia called her neighbor and asked him to come over and help her search through some paperwork. And when the neighbor went over to Sonia's, he asked her what paperwork specifically she was looking for. And Sonia told him that she was looking for Larry's life insurance policy. And once Sonia told him that, the neighbor said he just got rubbed completely the wrong way by the entire thing because Larry hadn't even been dead for barely 24 hours and she's now curious about his life insurance policy. So at that point, the neighbor said that he was not going to help her and he ended up leaving and going back to his house. And as far as the investigation for Larry's murder, there were no witnesses and no suspects. So it really went downhill and almost to a complete halt. And Sonia didn't allow his body to be returned to the United States. She actually had him cremated and he's still in the Philippines. His remains are still in the Philippines, and we're going to get all into that as we continue. So as if this story couldn't have gotten any more bizarre, there was actually a bombshell that was completely dropped right after Larry's murder that no one knew about, and that was the fact that Larry wasn't Sonia's first husband. And this was something that was unknown to Larry's family. Larry's family was not aware of this whatsoever, but Sonia was married to a man before Larry, and that man's name is Earl John Bordeaux. And the reason Sonia and Earl aren't together anymore is because Earl had been murdered in the Philippines 19 years prior to Larry's murder. So let's break this down, okay? So Earl lived in a place called Davenport, Iowa. So he grew up there and he ended up joining the Marines at a pretty young age and he was stationed in the Philippines and that is where he met Sonia. 
Sonia and Earl got married immediately. They did not tell any family members or any friends. Dennis, who's Earl's brother, just remembers getting a phone call from Earl who said, you know, I met this girl and I married her. And Dennis was just kind of like, what? <laughs> what did what did you do? And it, that's just how it was. And similar to her relationship with Larry, Dennis said that it was very clear that Sonia kind of ran the relationship when it came to Earl and Sonia's marriage. It was always what Sonia wanted. Sonia pretty much controlled everything. And she really, again, wore the pants in the relationship. After about 20 years of marriage, the two of them decided that it was best if they got a divorce. And Earl was the one who approached the idea of divorce with Sonia and Sonia agreed to get a divorce. And she told Earl that she'll get a divorce with him, but first he needs to go to the Philippines to sell her family's taxi business. Literally word for word for what she told Larry. Okay, we're going to take a short break, but we will be right back with more of the Killer Instinct podcast. Imagine an app designed to make you use it less. Seems a little counterproductive, right? Well, Apartments.com's Instant Alert feature works exactly that way. Instead of scanning rental listings a million times a day, simply set and forget your search to whatever you're looking for in a place and let Apartments.com do the rest. From pet-friendly apartments to balconies to in-unit ACs, Apartments.com's powerful search tools let you know when the perfect combination of features you're seeking is listed. So you don't have to power through rental descriptions one by one. With more rental listings than anywhere else, Apartments.com Apartments.com's instant alerts mean that you can spend less time looking for the perfect place and more time on just doing you. Apartments.com, the place to find a place. Buenos dias, world, from the San Diego Zoo Wildlife Alliance. I'm Marco Wint. And I'm Rick Schwartz. And we're your hosts for season three of Amazing Wildlife, a show from iHeartRadio Ruby Studio and the global conservation organization behind the San Diego Zoo and the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. Listen as we dive into the efforts here in San Diego and spotlight the heroes working worldwide to care for the species you know and love. Listen to Amazing Wildlife on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, you guys, welcome back. So on his way to the Philippines, because Earl agreed to do this for Sonia, on his way to the Philippines, Earl called his brother Dennis. He had a layover in Hawaii and he called Dennis and he told him, I don't want to go to the Philippines. I just don't want to do it. And Dennis told Earl, you have the ability to not go. You do not need to go to the Philippines. This is not your deal. If she wants to sell her family's taxi business, she can do that. You can go home. But according to Dennis, he said after he told Earl this, Earl just responded by saying, I'm not like you. And he hung up the phone. And that was the last time Dennis ever spoke to his brother. So Earl landed in the Manila airport. I apologize if I'm saying that wrong, but he landed there and he drove to an area called General Trias. Again, I apologize if I am mispronouncing that. And he got there around midnight that night. And when he got into Sonia's family's home, because that is where he was staying, he got to the house and he was staying on the couch of their living room. So he just fell asleep on the couch. And not long after midnight was Earl shot dead in Sonia's 
Jones' family home. And the police were immediately called. And when they showed up to the scene, Earl was just covered in a pool of his own blood. And he had unfortunately passed away from a gunshot wound. So the initial thought by police was that this kind of had to be a home invasion gone wrong. Maybe there was a robber or a burglar, someone trying to get into the house and they weren't expecting Earl to be on the couch and they had a confrontation and that is when the burglar ended up shooting Earl and that is what caused his death. But when police started to look around the house, they realized that there were no signs of forced entry and there was nothing stolen from the house. So this is where it gets just mind-blowing. So there were three men, a part of Sonia's family, who ended up getting arrested and charged with Earl's murder. Three men, a part of Sonia's family, okay? And when they were charged with this, Sonia was considered next of kin. And what that means is that she needed to show up in court in order for these charges to be pursued. I'm not sure the logistics behind that or why necessarily that needed to happen, but she needed to show up to their court hearing in the Philippines to make sure that these charges were followed through with but she didn't. She did not show up to the court hearing of her husband's murder to ensure that the men that murdered him were held accountable and got justice for her husband. She did not do that. So the charges were dropped, which is absolutely crazy to me. I don't even, I don't understand how that works. I don't understand it, but that is what happened. So let's circle back around to Larry's murder because when it comes to Larry's murder, Sonia was not interested or didn't seem to be interested at all in getting justice for Larry's murder either. She was very okay with just kind of letting the whole thing slide under the rug. According to Sonia's neighbors, she never talked about getting justice or wanting to find out who was responsible for this. She was very okay with just letting it all fizzle out. So about nine months after Larry's murder, Sherry started receiving these bizarre emails. And the person who was sending these emails claimed that Sonia was 100% responsible for Larry's murder. And not only that, that the person who was writing these emails could get Larry's ashes back for Sherry and return them to her. Now, when Sherry received these emails, she was completely thrown off guard and very very confused. And if you're wondering who these emails were sent from, they were sent from a man named John Bordeaux, which if you remember, Bordeaux is the same last name as Sonia's first husband, Earl. His name was Earl John Bordeaux. And this couldn't have been Earl because Earl was obviously shot and murdered way, way, way before this. So who was John Bordeaux, you might be asking? Well, John Bordeaux was actually Sonia's son. My mouth completely dropped. My jaw dropped when I read that Sonia had a son when I was doing my research. I was absolutely shocked because no one knew this. Dennis, who was Earl's brother, never knew that Sonia had a son. Earl never mentioned it to him, as well as Larry, who always wanted kids and was under the impression that Sonia didn't have any children. So when Sherry's receiving these emails from John Bordeaux, she's absolutely in such shock. So now just to kind of summarize this, Sonia's son has reached out to Sherry telling her that he knows that his mom was responsible for Larry's murder and that he was able to get Larry's ashes back to Sherry. But he did have a little bit of a rule that he wanted her to follow were some guidelines. And those guidelines were that he wanted Sherry to send him $35,000 in order to return Larry's ashes to her. And in these email exchanges between John and Sherry, Sherry started to realize she really didn't know 
what the person that she was talking to was capable of because John started sending Sherry emails saying that if he wanted someone to murder Sonia, he could arrange that to happen. So if Sherry wanted someone to murder Sonia, he could arrange for that. So when John approached Sherry with this idea, Sherry said she was completely thrown off guard and very nervous. At that point, she became scared because like I said, she realized she didn't know who she was really talking to and what they were possibly capable of. But then the unthinkable ended up happening because on April 27th of 2007, Sonia was found murdered inside of her home of Lomita, California when she was 60 years old. Sonia was shot execution style and there seemed to be no forced entry in the home. There was no anything, nothing was broken, nothing was stolen. It really just seemed like someone walked into the house, shot Sonia, and then walked out and left. So this is when a man named Eric Delacruz comes into the picture and Eric Delacruz is Sonia's great nephew and Sonia and Eric were super, super close. Sonia, it was well known that Eric was Sonia's favorite and Eric very much played into that and loved being in that role for Sonia because Eric really heavily relied on Sonia financially as well as all of Sonia's family members. All of them relied on her for financial support and so Eric and Sonia really had a great relationship and when police arrived on the scene, Eric Delacruz was already at the scene and he was able to talk to police and told police that they really needed to look into Sonia's son, John Bordeaux. Eric told police that John was a really bad guy and he was really capable of a lot and they should really look into him because he had really had it out for his mom and all of these things. So police ended up bringing John in for questioning because John was actually the person who called 911. John was the one who found Sonia's body lying inside of her home. So police brought John in for questioning and he was 100% adamant on the fact that he did not murder his mother. He said it over and over and over again and there's police tapes that you can watch of his interview with the police where they're kind of questioning him and interrogating him a little bit. And it's very clear that they're trying to kind of coerce him into saying a certain thing, but he was 100% adamant. He said, you can arrest me, you can do whatever you want, but I didn't kill my mother. But what police were able to put together is that the mother-son relationship, or better term would be the lack thereof was completely bizarre between John and Sonia. There were not any pictures of John in Sonia's house and Sonia had John when she was very, very, very young. And what's crazy here is that John actually pinned the blame on Sherry. He said that if anyone were to do this, that it would be Sherry because no one hated Sonia as much as Sherry did. And that's what's so crazy is because if you look at the email exchanges between Sherry and John, John was the one who was saying that, you know, my mom killed your husband and all of this. And, you know, now he's saying, oh, Sherry totally killed my mom after he told Sherry that he could hire someone to kill his mom for her. So it's all kind of crazy. But Sherry was actually extremely unhappy that Sonia was murdered. She felt like the one person who had the answers to her brother's murder was just now gone. And she felt like it was really defeating because she felt like when Sonia left, a lot of the answers about her brother's murder went with her. 
So then police kind of looked at what had happened in the days leading up to Sonia's murder, and they were able to piece together that several days before Sonia's murder, Sonia had actually called the police to report a man, and this man had come into Sonia's beauty salon and her beauty parlor. First, he had called Sonia ahead of time and asked for a haircut, but when Sonia got this phone call, she ended up looking out the window of her shop, and she could see the man in his car on the phone with her. And when she saw the man, she saw that he basically had a buzz cut. So there was really no need for him to have a haircut. It just wasn't really necessary. So she told him that, you know, she's not going to take any more new clients. She said, I only cut hair of my regular clients and you're not a regular client. So I'm not going to cut your hair. So after that, the man left. But two days later, this man came back to Sonia's salon and ended up trying to shoot her from outside of her beauty parlor. And Sonia immediately called the police and told the police about it. She reported the whole thing. And what really pieced this all together is the fact that this man had called Sonia's salon several days prior to book this appointment with her. And so she had his phone number. So she gave police his phone number. And when police the number, it came back to be connected to a man named Fernando Romero. Now, when police got a warrant for Fernando's phone records and they started searching all through them, they noticed that there was one number that continuously kept popping up. And that number belonged to a man named Eric Dela Cruz, Sonia's great nephew. That was who this was. And you might be asking, well, how do they know each other? Well, Fernando and Eric know each other because they both work on the same Navy ship together. And according to someone who knew both of them, they said that they worked like in the same area. So they were constantly seeing each other. They were constantly around each other and hanging out with each other. It was very easy for them to have access to one another. So this kind of blew this whole thing out of the water because now this man who shot at Sonia is friends with Sonia's great nephew, Eric Delacruz, and they both work on the same ship together. And so it's all craziness. And so police ended up doing a little bit more digging because they had a little bit of an incentive now. So they start digging a little bit more and they end up looking at the emails that were sent to Sherry. So they do that and they actually look at the IP addresses on those emails and they realize that all of those IP addresses came from different parts of Asia. That is bizarre, right? That's a little weird. So when police did even more digging, they were able to realize that every single time that an email was sent and they pinned the IP address to it, the Navy ship that Eric and Fernando were both on at the time was at that same spot where all those emails were sent, meaning Eric and Fernando were actually the ones that were sending the emails to Sherry, not John Bordeaux. They were just using John Bordeaux as kind of a scapegoat and all of this and as a cover-up, basically. That's the better word. They were using him as a cover-up in order to make it look like he was the one responsible. Because remember, when police showed up to Sonia's house, Eric was already there and he was the first one to tell police, you need to check out John Bordeaux. John Bordeaux is a bad guy. But in reality, it was just Eric using John as a cover-up for the entire thing. So now with all of this information that they had, police were confident in the fact that Eric and Fernando were both responsible for Sonia's death, but police really wanted to know why. Like, why do you need, why would your great nephew, out of anyone who loves you so much, you guys had the best relationship, why would he go out 
of his way to make sure you were dead. But then something happened that made it very, very clear as to what the motive was here. So Sonia was murdered on a Friday night. So April 27th, 2007 was a Friday night. That Monday morning, way before it even opened, way before the office even opened, Eric went to Sonia's lawyer's office and waited outside before it opened and walked in after it opened and tried to talk to Sonia's lawyer and asked him directly how much money he was going to be getting from Sonia in her will, which very clearly points to the fact that the entire motive in all of this was just money. Eric just wanted Sonia's money. That's it. Which kind of runs in the family, I guess, considering the fact that after Larry was murdered and after Earl was murdered as well, all Sonia cared about was money and was the life insurance policies that she was going to get and what she was going to receive and how she could gain from her husband's murders. So when Eric walked into this lawyer's office and said, how much money am I going to get? He was completely surprised to figure out that Eric was actually not receiving anything from Sonia. Not any property, not any money, nothing. In Sonia's will, it states that Sonia wants 100% of all of her assets to go to her son, John Bardot. So obviously, as you can imagine, this is a complete shock to Eric, who thought all of this time that he was going to be gaining so much from Sonia's death, so much so that he felt like he had to get rid of her early so that he could gain all of these assets from her, when in reality, he wasn't gaining anything. So with all of this information, Eric and Fernando were arrested and charged with first-degree murder of Sonia, and they both received 36 years to life in prison. The theory that police kind of have as far as what exactly went down that night, they believed that Eric went to Sonia's house and was kind of the leeway into getting into the house. And then Fernando just came in and shot Sonia execution style. And then they both ended up leaving together. So like I said, both of them received 26 years to life in prison. And as far as Larry's remains, well, first of all, as far as Larry's case in general, no one has been charged with the murder of Larry. That investigation has kind of completely just gone off the map. It hasn't really continued. There's no real progress that has been made in that. And Larry's remains are still in the Philippines. Larry's family has yet to receive Larry's remains. And that is really heartbreaking for them, especially his sister, Sherry. That's all she wants is her brother's remains and to be able to bring him back here. So I'm really interested to see what you guys think about this because condoning murder is obviously never a good thing, but I'm very interested to see if you think that Sonia got what she deserved and she had both of her husbands murdered, so it's only right that she was also murdered by someone that she loves and trusts just like her husbands were. I know we can't fully sit here and say Sonia was responsible for Earl and Larry's death. However, that's only because the investigations haven't continued. This just happened. And a lot of people believe that it was because of money. Money was the entire motive here for Larry's murder, for Earl's murder, as well as for Sonia's murder at the end of it. Everyone in Sonia's family just wanted financial gain and would do whatever they had to do in order to get there. So I am extremely curious as to what you guys have to say about this one. So let me know in the comments below if you're watching me on YouTube or let me know in a DM. You can DM me if you're watching me on the podcast. Um, let me know what you think. Do you think Sonia got what she deserved. Do you think that there should be a proper investigation for Larry and Earl's murder? Do you believe, who do you think did it? You know, it's just, it's really, really crazy 
that this has just kind of gone underneath the radar after all this time. So let me know what you guys think. And with that being said, you guys, that is all for me today. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Killer Instinct. If you are new here, hi, my name is Savannah and I am your host of Killer Instinct. Make sure you subscribe. That way you are always notified when we upload a new episode. We upload every single Wednesday here on Killer Instinct and you are not going to want to miss it. So with that being said, you guys, thank you so much for listening to today's case and I will see you next week. Until then, stay safe. So I I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7. So I, I know you've got a lot going on, but remember, I'm here for you. So bother me when no one's listening because I will. Bother me when it feels like it won't get better because it can. Bother me because you're never a bother. Whether it's a low point or a crisis, get help for yourself or a friend. Learn more at neverabother.org or call or text 988, available 24-7.